Hello, college basketball fans. We are back with another episode of CBB365. And in the college basketball realm, actually not just college basketball, just college sports, a bombshell of news dropped yesterday by the NCAA. Players can make money off their name. This is huge, huge for the, for the athletes, just for the sport of college basketball. But Adam, what do you think about this? You know, I really like this move because, you know, I know you said that it affects, you know, all NCAA sports, but, you know, obviously our podcast focuses uh, more on college basketball than uh, just mm-hmm. more all NCAA. But we do love sports. But G League, you know, G League was picking up all this momentum. And, you know, granted, they only have three players right now, but, you know, more than they had last year. So, obviously, yeah. you know, the G League's picking up momentum. But now, you know, you look at your options, if maybe you're not – the bet like let's say you're not a Jalen Green and you're not a number one but you know you're in that 2025 range where you're still a five star but you know maybe you don't get offered to the G League then you know you can still benefit from going to college but you know it's also really weird right now because you can make money off your like or off like your name but you can't like you use your team name so Joe Joe Burrow this year for LSU could have made money off of his name, but couldn't like link it to anything, you know, around LSU or Zion Williamson a year ago, probably could have been, I saw somewhere that if, you know, this rule had been in place when he was at Duke, he could have made like upwards of a million dollars, which is yeah. crazy. And that's way more than what the G league's offering. So, you know, maybe yeah, that's, that's Green, double what the G league's offering. Yeah. Jalen Green got offered $500,000, which is like I said, half of what, you know, they said Zion Williamson couldn't make it. Obviously, Zion Williamson's the one. By the way, did you see that rumor last year that Adidas was, like, trying to funnel money to Zion through Kansas? Yeah, I saw, yeah, I saw that. But It was, like, the, the, what I read was that it was, like, $265,000. Like, that would be legal now, Wait, which is awesome for college sports, right? Like, it's going to come into effect when guys, like, Amani Bates and Bronny James are in their recruiting process because, right, okay. it's effective in the 2021-2022 season. Because you see a lot you see a lot of Amani Bates talking about, you know, skipping college altogether, you know. Obviously, he talks about wanting to go to Michigan State as, like, his dream school. But I think, I think with this rule, you can look at it because Amani Bates is kind of – I don't know if he's to the extent that Zion Williamson, like, the yeah. coming into his college basketball season. But – Amani Bates is definitely up there. He's definitely another once-in-generational talent. And if he can make upwards of a million dollars like they projected Zion Williamson could have made, I think that – I think if you look at it, you know, that, that'll make him, like, truly, you know, make it a tough decision between college basketball and just jumping straight to the NBA because, you know, if the G League is paying, you know, maximum $500,000 like they did Jalen Green, I'm not saying that that's what they're paying, Max. Maybe yeah. they do give Amani Bates more money or like a Zion Williamson, you know, maybe like a true – even Bronny James just because of his name. Who knows? But yeah. the other aspect that goes into the whole G League versus college thing is school because, yeah, now you can make money in college, but you still got to attend classes, you know, yeah. opposed well, to G League. The thing about – college basketball is that they get all of their class they they enroll in like june so that by the time the college basketball season are is arrived like has has arrived they're pretty much just taking finals like they're they're almost they're pretty much done with the school year so like then at that point they can just focus on 
playing ball and making money, like, right, getting sponsorships. And what the beauty about this is, they can get sponsored by the brand sponsoring their school. Yeah, because the Chuckle College basketball uh, comes during winter break. So, you're really, like you said, you're taking a lot of time off. But still, though, G League, even, I just don't know how. G League, you're just just playing basketball. And I don't think that that would be very beneficial to some of these players. Like, obviously, like, maybe for some people it'll work. Like, right? Like, playing against the best competition – like playing against guys that are just like you, except when you're playing in a conference like the ACC, that's every night. Like that's every other night you're playing against guys that are just like you. Like if you're a UNC playing against Duke, both teams with loaded rosters, right? But like then again with the G League, like you're making money and you're going up against guys that were like that. Like uh, Kyle Guy, like like all those guys. Bull Bull. But here's, here's my thing is though – is from an NBA team scouting standpoint, if you're looking, you know, for more of the intangibles like attitude and, you know, like adversity, you know, I don't know if you're really going to get that same experience in the G League. If you're looking at a guy's character to see, you know, if you're if he's down by five with a minute to go, is he going to fold under pressure or is he going to like rise up? You know, yeah. and, I don't th- and I don't think you can find that in the G League. And that, know, in these like twelve exhibition games or whatever they're doing for that, it's just not the same as you know March Madness or conference tournaments or rivalry games. Like that's what Dan talked about. Dan, uh, Dan Dockich talked about when he came onto our show is that like it doesn't build all these things that NBA teams are looking for. Like obviously the attitude part isn't going to be there because they're like, oh, I don't, I'm too good to go to college. And, and right? like, uh, like, and they're not going to build like a clutch gene. They're not going to build the ability to perform under pressure which is something that like when you're playing at a big time school every day right it's there like you have to be able to yeah it's gonna be I feel like they're gonna be more careless at that point you know Mm -hmm. like they're not gonna put as much (sighs) I just don't see that that I do think that play style wise it'll build them better for the NBA yeah because I mean that's that's whole thing is they're linking the G League and, you know, you're, they're going to have more certified trainers and probably run through more things that, you know, are closer to the NBA style than, you know, let's say some colleges. But, you know, some colleges are starting to, like, build up towards the NBA, you know. Like, I know Kentucky, yeah. obviously. Yeah, Kentucky, has, Kentucky's yeah. NBA U. Like, yeah. if you go to Kentucky, like, like okay, like, you, the chances of you getting drafted into the NBA, like, are marginally higher than if you go to a Maryland or – but some programs, some programs like Kentucky, obviously build you know success towards the NBA. But then you look at you know take Michigan before Jawan Howard, you know take John Beeline. He looked at a developmental standpoint and recruited you know three stars, right. you know some four stars, and then developed his guys for three four years. You know like that's, that's what that's what Villanova still does. That's what Virginia does. Like yeah. They don't get these unbelievable five star athletes. They get four stars and three stars and just turn them into absolute monsters. Yeah, develop them. And then, you know, but that's not what the NBA looks for. You know, obviously, one, NBA looks for, you know, age and potential. But, uh, you know, Michigan's not really an NBA developer, you know. I mean, you look at some alums. I mean, they've got Karis LeVert doing well right now. but Chris Webber in the past. Trey Burke's had a good career. But that's just not – they're just not developing towards the NBA though. I mean, that's just how I feel about it. Or at least they weren't with uh, 
John Beeline, you know, who knows under the Juwan Howard era, you know. Yeah. It's like Juwan Howard, it was looking like he was going to get like, okay, like this recruiting class is legit. And then once – Recruiting class. Yeah, Josh Christopher said forks up, then like – you know, that, that, that hurt everything. Cause that was like, Oh, Isaiah Todd's like, Oh, why would I want to go here? Like no one else is here. Yeah. There's still some four stars, but, and I think we still bring in a top 10 class. It's just a matter of, you know, are those four stars good enough to jump straight to the NBA? And, you know, yeah. maybe they are Hunter Dickinson's a seven, two big guy. Yeah. And, you know, if he has a good season, obviously, you know, that really appeals to the NBA seven, two guy. He's got a good frame. He just needs to work on his footwork. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, some other big news in college basketball, not too, too big, but it's big enough. Danny Manning out as the coach of Wake Forest. Uh, you know, Wake Forest never really prospered as a program with him as the coach, right? They haven't been anything special. They've been no, middle made, of the pack to bottom of the ACC for a decent amount of time now. They made one first four in Danny yeah. Manning appearance as the Wake Forest head coach he was 78 and 111 yeah like that's so, terrible below 500 but you know there are a lot of guys that are coming in for potential replacements you know early yeah. in the early in the process you know Wake Forest was talking about John Beeline obviously John Beeline's pulled his name out of the head coaching search yeah. there so you know obviously he would be an expensive hire Thad Matta the old Ohio State coach you know, he's a potential possibility. It looked like he, you know, was jumping out of the college basketball game. But, you know, maybe with the right offer that Wake Forest gives him, maybe he comes back in and, you know, coaches in the ACC and transitions from the Big Ten to the ACC. But then, you know, you see this a lot with a lot of Power Five schools, uh, football or basketball, is, you know, when a coach gets fired, they look more to more more to uh, mid-majors. and yeah. you know coaches or mid-major coaches that do well and you know some of the names that pop out are Steve Forbes from East Tennessee State who you know was going to make an NCAA tournament this uh, tournament appearance this season and even towards the end of the year started to you know gain in votes uh, you know was also in the also receiving votes for the NCAA top 25 yeah so you know he had a really good year this year and what really pops out to me as I saw this stat was Forbes hasn't won less than 24 games in any of his each five seasons. Now, granted, I get it. They're playing. That, you know, but that's still conference. like but you insane. Still, you've got it. Yeah. To put up more than 24 wins each of your first five seasons to not have, you know, no matter the talent, you know, even the first year coming in in 2015, even if you don't have the talent that, you know, you want or the talent that you've recruited to still take them to a 25, you know, win season, you know, that's impressive. So, you know, the Southern Conference isn't the ACC, but, you know, that, those are kind of the guys you look for to build your way up. And if they are successful in mid-majors, you know, maybe that's the path that they go on. Because Power 5 coaches, they're not going to look to go to Wake Forest. They're not going to leave their job to go to Wake Forest. You know what I mean? Yeah, like exactly. Like no one's going to want to. You're go gonna, like yeah, from like from like a Virginia Tech or like like a team that's like a power five, but they're not like a powerhouse. Yeah, you're not gonna leave there. And you know, I saw this one thing where I was talking about Chris Collins of Northwestern, and even though you know, obviously Northwestern was really bad this year, he's not gonna leave his job at Northwestern to go to Wake Forest simply because he's got a great job. And even though he might be on his way out soon, you know, as the coach at Northwestern, he's still got a good job at Northwestern. Exactly. 
he's not going to look to jeopardize that and then just go to Wake Forest, who's in, you know, probably even a worse state right now, you know. So I just – I don't see any Power 5 coaches. You know, you look at that data, you know, possibly coming in from retirement. But, you know, another guy who I saw, which I thought was interesting, was – Ryan Odom, the UMBC coach who obviously pulled off the unbelievable upset a couple of years ago against Virginia. That was but he's he's eighty two and fifty-two at UMBC and obviously, you know, made a tournament appearance and beat Virginia mm-hmm. as the number one seed. They're but, in the uh, same conference as like Vermont, who's uh, uh, very yeah, yeah like a couple of good years. Yeah, they have. They they uh they held Florida. They brought Florida State to the wire last year at the XL Center. But like okay. I do think that um there's on uh, there's no way uh Wake Forest can make a bad hire here. Yeah, well, unless they go and hire like a Division three coach, except for Jim Calhoun. But I just don't see that happening. Yeah, and the thing is. What's his name? Ryan Odom has ties to Wake Forest. His yeah. dad was uh, the former head basketball coach there, so maybe that gives him somewhat of an end. I don't. I I would I would be very surprised if they don't go, or at least take a look at Ryan Odom. Which it's also weird because they're doing all the interviews over Zoom or yeah. You know, I personally think that they'll go with Forbes from East Tennessee State. If they give him the right, you know, if they make him the right offer, I have no idea how Steve Ford does take it. I'm yeah. honestly surprised he hasn't passed up, you know, hasn't gotten any other offers. I thought he'd be out of East Tennessee State and, you know, heading into playing higher, higher uh, power five or coach power five. Better pay, more exposure. Yeah. And, you know, obviously I don't know Steve Forbes, but, you know, if I had to guess, it's probably a goal of his to be able to coach, you know, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Like when, yeah. Like when he's coaching at a school like Wake Forest, he could, if he does well there, then other bigger schools are going to take notice, right? They're going to be like, yeah. And maybe even NBA teams are going to take notice because like the the NBA, the NCAA is a kind of like a big hotspot for coaches to. We were talking um, about, we were talking about Steve Forbes, you know, getting to the NCAA tournament. And, yeah, he was going to get to the NCAA tournament with East Tennessee State this year, but was he really going to make a run? Yeah. You know, with Wake Forest, you know, if you can develop and recruit in a good team and develop your players good enough to compete in the ACC with, you know, Duke. Obviously, North Carolina had a down year, but if North Carolina gets built back up, you know, Louisville, Florida State, if you can contend with those kind of teams, you know, obviously you've got a good chance to compete, you know, come March time. But – yeah. Is he really going to get that at East Tennessee State? You know, you can only really be so much of a mid-major and get that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, speaking of development and talent, LaMelo Ball officially declared for the NBA draft yesterday. Uh, he had an interesting situation when it came to college basketball, the NCAA allowing their athletes to be paid. Well, you know, he went, he went he over went, to uh, – Vitaltis. In Lithuania. Yeah, he went to Lithuania, got overseas, you know, obviously clearly got paid there. They were, you know, LeVar was trying to say that the checks were addressed to him. Yeah. Which was, I guess would make sense because he was only 15 at the time, 16 at the time. Yeah, but he's also, you know, he's yeah. playing professional basketball. He was getting paid one way or another. In my so, There was definitely talks about, you know, yeah, his NCAA eligibility. But in my opinion, I think that, like, he'll go, like, inside the top three. 
Like for me, the top three like is interchangeable. Wiseman, Edwards, and and Lamella. Like, yeah, like I think any of them can go. You know, it really depends on draft order. Cause, exactly. You know, like needs. We were talking about you know doing a mock draft. Me and Patrick were, and it's really based on a needs basis right now. And because Wiseman, Ball, and Edwards are all so close together. So it's a matter of, you know, who gets that number one pick and who gets mm-hmm. the pick. And, you know, even if you're sitting at number three, and let's say, you know, Wiseman goes first, Edward goes, Edwards goes second, LaMelo Ball is not a bad consolation prize. Yeah. He's incredible. So. Like he's been playing pro basketball since really he was 16, obviously on and off. But, um, uh, actually, 2017, 2018, he was – yeah, he was 16. But um, The defense is a huge question mark for him, though. But if yeah. you get the defense figured out, he's really talented. It's just you haven't seen him put the effort in. Obviously, you got to put the effort in. And- well, I do think that this year playing in the NBL did a number for him, like, in a good way, in his draft stock. Like, because like, he proved that he That's can a, play with grown men. Like, he can he can go out and average a double-double every night. Like, go out and put up a triple-double every like, – it's, uh, it's also a much better league than, you know, what he was playing in Lithuania. And, you know, yeah. RJ Hampton was with him there in the NBL, you know, mm-hmm. with him in Australia, so. But, um, like, for me, I think that LaMelo Ball will go to, like, a, a Knicks team that, like – a Knicks team or a Pelicans type team. You know, that's where uh, Knicks is where I saw him going too, yeah. to. Yeah. With RJ Barrett in the backcourt, you know, obviously the Knicks have many pieces. Yeah. The Knicks, yeah. the Knicks need help, but like, I don't see him going to the Warriors. Like they need a big man. Like Marquise Chris is, he's okay. But like, you know, James getting Wiseman. a James Wiseman would be like, like James Wiseman could be a game changer for them. Yeah. Well. Like, cause think about it. Just like next year, like Curry will be healthy. Clay Thompson will be healthy. They'll still have, uh, Andrew, they'll still have Draymond and Andrew Wiggins. So now imagine James Wiseman, who is an absolute beast, just physically. He's huge. He's and fast. He can, he, he can do everything. He, he can lock down on defense. He can score the basketball. It's like they would be a nightmare next year for every other team in the NBA because then they'd be hungry. Like they obviously weren't very good this year, but I do think that was sort of by design. You know, yeah, and the Warriors obviously, you know, have great years. Then they, you know, lose Kevin Durant. And then, you know, they have a bad year. And then all of a sudden you're telling me that they're going to bounce back with James Wiseman and then fill out their starting lineup even better than what it was. Or not even better than what it was with KD. But Last year I feel like was as good as it gets. So it started as like resume. Yeah. No, I agree. But I think they go from obviously – one of the worst teams in the NBA, obviously, you know, Curry and Clay were injured. But with Wiseman, I think they go to a playoff team easily. Yeah. You, know, you have no KD, but I could see them being a top four seed. I don't know if they're going to contend with, you know, obviously the Lakers and the Clippers and the Rockets right now, or not even the Rockets, you know. And the 76ers next year because they're going to fire Brett Brown anyways. But, um, you yeah, know, that's not happening. Yes, it is. You yeah. just watch. Book it. Me and Patrick, we're working on this mock draft. Yeah, right that that'll that. be coming soon. Uh, uh, coming episodes, yeah. About yeah, we're gonna uh, that, break that's down. coming soon. We're gonna take a quick ad break from our uh, good friends at Anchor. We'll be right back after this. Okay, now we're gonna do something that I've wanted to do for a while. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna do a sort of Mount Rushmore ish type thing. It's our most disappointing and most surprising 
college basketball teams of the 2019-2020 college basketball season. Adam, you go first. You know, you look at your obvious one, North Carolina. North Carolina looked like they are going to be one of the best teams in college basketball coming into the year with, you know, what a lot of people thought was going to be a top five, top ten pick in Cole Anthony. And now with the, you know, struggling freshman campaign, you know, that that's not really, you know, where I think he's going to get drafted now. I think he's more of a 10 to 20 range. I still think he's first round, but – Obviously, they did not have a good year this year. You know, 14th in the ACC out yeah. of 14 teams, which, you know, that's unheard of coming from, uh, you know, Blue Blood like North Carolina who just won the national championship a couple of years ago. You know, and then you look – and it's not even like they didn't have a talented team. I mean, Garrison Brooks and Cole Anthony, maybe they weren't as talented. But, you know, Cole Anthony was hurt, but he wasn't – even with that team, they should not have been 14. Yeah, it's not like they, it's not like, you know, it's not like Zion with Duke last year. We're like, yeah, it doesn't help that, you know, Roy Williams, you know, notably in the middle of the season talks about, Hey, this isn't my most talented team. You know, he said, said, this is the worst talented team he's coached like at North Carolina. And, you know, if you're a player and you hear that, you know, that if anything that, you know, takes brings you down so that you know builds you up and motivates you you know that's that doesn't help at all yeah it's not like you know it's not like they're saying like you're not talented enough like you're not gonna win where it's like motivational it's like it's like no you guys suck well they were talented enough to you know i'm not saying that they were good enough to be in the top five of the loaded acc this year but you know to say that they were 14th with you know a top 10 pick cole anthony you know that just doesn't happen. So, you know, North Carolina obviously was a huge disappointment this year. And then a very close runner up was Florida, Florida coming into the year, you know, they were five. Yeah. A lot of people were, you know, thinking Florida was going to, you know, you know, turn it around with Virginia Tech transfer, Scotty Lewis, the five-star freshman. And then fly. When I saw him play against UConn this year in warmups, like he was like, he is one of the most athletic basketball players I have ever seen. And it's like such a shame because like they were, they, they, were, they were poised to be so much better than they should have been this year. But you have Scotty Lewis, the five-star freshman, and then you've got Andrew Nemhard, so who I believe declared for the NBA draft. I don't think he hired an agent. I think he's testing the waters, but you know, I really thought they were going to make the leap, you know, and then not even talking, you know, you've got Scotty Lewis, Noah Lockett and Andrew Nemhard. But, you know, I'm not even talking about Kerry Blackshear, the Virginia Tech transfer, who really thought – who everyone thought was really going to turn them around, you know. And yeah. it's kind of – I just don't understand, you know, how that didn't translate. You know, obviously Kentucky's a good SEC team, but, you know, I think they were just as talented, if not more talented, than Kentucky this year. You know, like you said, with Scotty Lewis, the five-star, you know, phenom freshman – and then Noah Locke and Andrew Nemhard were supposed to, you know, round out that team. And then Kerry Blackshear was kind of supposed to lead the way with with uh, experience and obviously is a good basketball player. Yeah. So, you know, then Florida, you know, early in the season, you see them lose to UConn. You see them lose to Florida State. You see them lose to Butler. Obviously, Florida State and Butler had good years this year. But Florida needed to win those kind of games to be able to say that, you know, oh, we're a contending team this season. Mm-hmm. 
So those are definitely probably, you know, the top two most disappointing, I think you can really say, throughout the whole college basketball season. Yeah. And, you know, here are two that kind of interest me is UCLA, who towards the end of the season, UCLA, you know, built some momentum back up and then got started winning some games in the Pac-12 and, you know, going into the Pac-12 tournament. They were definitely – love the Pac-12. They looked like you yeah, had conference of champions, but they yeah, looked like they, champions, were, baby. they looked like they could have made the NCAA tournament or were going to make the NCAA tournament. But then, you know, going back to the beginning of the year, they lost a lot of really bad games. Costa, yeah. you know, Cal State Fullerton, Washington State, and then North Carolina's Bazoo. even a pretty bad loss because you know they play. It's, it's North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. UCLA was somewhat of a disappointment, even though they got it turned around late in the season. They still, you know, I thought that they were going to have a much better season. This yeah. Year. So UCLA is a top three. And then, you know, my honorable mentions, Michigan State. Now, yeah, that's, that's who I was going to say is one of mine. By no means did Michigan State have a bad season this year. But returning Cassius Winston, who was going to be, you know, obviously one of the best big players in the Big Ten until Luca Garza came on this year. And one of the best players in the country. You know, they were preseason number one. And then they just didn't – I just – they didn't live up to their – Didn't they end the season unranked? No, they weren't that bad. But, but um, I, I just really thought that they were going to have a much better season this year. And, you know, going from a preseason number one team to kind of falling apart. And I thought they were going to be one of those teams, you know, like we've talked about. We talked about Dan. And, you know, teams with experience are built from March. And, you know – Michigan State had that with Cassius Winston and Xavier Tillman, you know, returning. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, you know, a good sophomore and Aaron Henry. And then you've got a good backcourt with, you know, Cassius Winston. And then at the two spot, you know, Rocket Watts, who can also go over a small forward. But Michigan State, I thought, had a really good team this year. And they just did not live up to the hype, I guess. You know, yeah. uh, Cassius Winston obviously went through so much this season. But – they just didn't – I just don't think they lived up to the expectations. So, I think I, they were a very close uh, honorable mention to, you know, least or most disappointing. So, season. you pretty much took all of mine except for one. So, I'm only going to give one. Uh, that would be the University of Memphis. Yeah. Uh, so, coming into the year, seven, uh, they were like 15th in the country. Number one recruiting class in the country, like three five stars, precious, precious Achiwa, uh, James Wiseman, to name two of them. But um, and once James Wiseman got in trouble because, although it's a little bit messed up because Penny Hardaway moved him there, but um, uh, he got in trouble for moving to ten, moving to Houston by accepting Penny Hardaway's offer to pay for his movement. But um, yeah, well, they they like, they they choked right. They still had two five stars. They still had a fantastic team coached by an all time great in the NBA. And like Precious Achua, Lester, or how do I not Kenyones and yeah. Boogie Ellis. You know those were all high four stars. You know and five know stars. If, like yeah, and Precious Achua, obviously American Conference losing, Freshman of the Year. Losing Wiseman was big, but. They still could have had a good year, especially in the American, where they 
you know, I the Americans like, okay. Like it's nothing like great. Like, you know, you have a few ranked teams here and there throughout the season. Yeah. Like the only ranked team at the end of the season was Houston, which is typically how it goes for the American. I mean, Houston's a great program. Yeah. I just thought, you know, with how, even with, without Wiseman, you know, like you said, Atua and Boogie Ellis and Quinones, but them ending the conference 10 and eight and 21 and 10 overall, that's just not just with that roster that they had. And I'm not saying Penny Hardaway is a good college basketball coach, you know, maybe yeah. he didn't recruit him because, you know, because he's like, Oh, pay, Hey, come play for me. I'm Penny Hardaway. Right. Like even that, or maybe, you know, slipping some money under the table. Yeah, and, yeah. Hey, I'll move you across the, move you across the state for free. But like, Losing Wiseman obviously was big, but Memphis definitely had a disappointing season. That was yeah, like, like it was just so weird to watch them fall off. Like, like it, like I didn't expect it at all. Right, I expected them to be like this high flying athletic team that was just going around and dominating everybody. And but it, it was just nothing that, like that. I still thought that they could have, you know, they could have like, made a tournament run. Yeah, with uh, without Wiseman, but obviously that did not fare out. Because college all. basketball can still be dominated by a big man. Like it can, it, it can very, very much still be dominated by a big man, which is what Precious Achiwa is. Like he is a big body, right? He he just destroys people in the post. Yeah, and I do think that being able to do that in the American tournament and potentially the NCAA tournament could have obviously changed my opinion on them, but since we didn't have that day and they're, they're my disappointing team of the season. Now we're going to get into appointment list. Yeah. Now we're going to get into the surprise teams. And I, I would like to take this one first due to the fact that I only had one disappointing team. Um, this one like really jumped out at me. That would be Creighton. The Blue yeah. Jays. That was weird. They came into the season as unranked, correct? Yeah. And they won the Big East and ended the season in the top ten, which is wild. Like they beat they beat Seton Hall, they beat Villanova, they beat Butler, they beat all these teams that like coming into the year you'd be like Creighton, who? Like obviously it's a great program, like making the tournament a few years ago with Doug McDermott, Dougie McBuckets, you know. But like you don't expect them to go out and beat these teams like routinely, which is what they did. Obviously they had a three-way tie to win the Big East with my Wildcats, hashtag go Cats, and Seton Hall, who I hate so much. But, um, like, they were really, 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 really good. And I actually have two more surprise teams, both coming out of the Big Ten, uh, that being actually their big rivals, Rutgers and Penn State. Yeah, uh, definitely surprised me this year. Rutgers was phenomenal this year. They beat Seton Hall by, like, what, 30? I don't know, but going into going into playing Michigan, I want to say it was February, they were undefeated at home. And to not yeah. lose the game at home until, you know, mid-February, going into March, you know, that's impressive, you know. But yeah. Carry on. Like, they beat Seton Hall by, like, 30. And they were ranked for most of the year, like, just out of nowhere, right? Like, I – I like, if you told me before the year that – you know, Rutgers was going to be like a great team in the in the national national scope of college basketball, like a must watch team throughout the season. I'd say you're crazy, and I think the same goes for Penn State, right? They they 
came out of nowhere, were ranked for a lot of the year, beat Iowa, which was unprecedented. Yeah. At that, the, um, uh, what's the place where Pitt, uh, I mean, Penn plays? Why am I forgetting what it's called? The, the Palestra? Yeah, the, pal- the Palestra. Thank you. But um, like they beat them there. Like it, like it was the first time they'd been ranked since like 2004. What I was going to say about Penn State was, yeah, they had Lamar Stevens, who was one of the best players in the Big Ten. But, you know, his surrounding cast really wasn't all that great. So exactly. to have a good year, you know, was surprising to me. But, you know, it didn't still have Lamar Stevens, which, you know, helped tremendously. Yeah, like, obviously, if you take away Lamar Stevens, I think that, you know, Band hurts. At the bottom of the Big Ten. Yeah, but, like, so I'm, I'm looking at some of their wins right now. They beat Maryland – they beat Iowa. They lost to Rutgers by nine. They beat Ohio State. They beat Michigan. They beat Michigan State. Yeah, Penn State uh, swept Michigan. Beat them. Two yeah. Times. Did they beat Illinois, or did they only play them once? They only played them once because they're Big Ten East. Anyways, like. Anyways, like just out of nowhere, and Illinois, another one. Yeah. Illinois, another surprise team. Kofi Cockburn. Like, all these guys, like, they were awesome this year. Yeah, bringing in Ayo Desumu back for his sophomore season, who obviously he declared for the NBA now. But bringing him in with Kofi, you know, they had a good team around him too. Trent Frazier is one. And, you know, building a good team around Illinois, they were, they were a surprise. But at the same time, I thought they'd have a good year this year. Yeah. Because, purely because Ayo Desumu was coming back. And, you know, he's obviously incredible. So, you know, once he came back, I really thought that Illinois could have a good season. But I didn't expect them, you know, five seed, six seed, where they were going to be, you know, at, you know, where they ended up. I thought, you know, I thought they'd be an eight or nine seed. Yeah. Anyway, let's hear your uh, your most surprising teams. You know, my most surprising teams, you look at the obvious ones, Dayton with Obi Toppin, who's yeah. going to probably be a one seed. Toppin. And San Diego State, who was going to be a one or two seed with Malachi Flynn. I'm interested to see how they're going to be without Malachi Flynn next year. But, you know, those are just the obvious ones. But a team that surprises me is Baylor. You know, Baylor had an incredible year this year. It was ranked number one for, you know, some of the year. And they ended the season at, like – Two they or three. Yeah, they were definitely top five. And, you know, they were going to be a one seed come March as long as they had, you know, a good Big 12 tournament. But they really surprised me, you know, with how talented they were. Yeah, they had a lot of guards and, you know, they were talented. But did I think that they were going to end up top five by the end of the season? No, I thought Kansas was, you know, definitely going to be the best team in the Big 12. But, you know, Baylor turned a lot of heads, especially, you know, towards the end of the season when they did play Kansas and did beat Kansas. You know, that that not shocked me, but, you know, you kind of saw how Baylor was playing and then you're like, you know, wow, maybe this team is, you know. Ended the season 26-4 and four and, you know, ended the season ranked fifth in the AP rankings, which, you know, says a lot about, you know, Scott Drew and, you know, being able to figure out that team and, having an all-around incredible season. So Baylor was definitely, you know, one of my, you know, surprise teams, not just because, you know, how uh, they ended up, you know, finishing so well. You know, I liked Creighton. Like you yeah. said, you know, Creighton was a big surprise early in the season. 
lost to Michigan and then, you know, late in the season, you know, started beating some big 12 or not some big 12 teams, some big East teams. And, you know, Tyshawn Alexander, who's a point guard there, mm-hmm. got declared for the NBA draft, who I thought was one of the best point guards in college basketball this season. I'm excited to see what he does in the NBA. But Creighton was a big surprise team for me. But, you know, you know, like I kind of did with your disappointing teams, I kind of feel like you uh, took mine with Rutgers. And, you know, I just – Yeah. I that, you know, the ones you said were – surprise teams that appealed to me as well but like we were talking about with disappointing teams UCLA they just suffered kind of a disappointment you know with Dacia Nix the five-star point guard number one point guard in the recruiting class you know yeah like we were talking about you know previously with Jalen Green and Isaiah Todd you know he now is gonna you know leave college and not go to college and go straight to the NBA G League pathway program for a year so you know that's interesting you know we've obviously talked a lot about the g league and our thoughts on that so we don't have to go into that again but you know Dacian nix is a great player he's a six five point guard out of las vegas and i really thought he was going to turn around you know pac 12 was going to be exciting this year and it still is zaire williams is one of the players josh christopher you know obviously that yeah man top three big man going to usc can't say his name the one that played high school with Lonzo and Lamelo at Chino Hills, but yeah, I'll find his name. The Pac-12 was going to be, and it still is going to be a good team or going to be a good conference this year. But you know, maybe seeing uh, Daisha Nix in UCLA, Mick Cronin was bringing in a good recruiting class, and this yeah. definitely, this definitely hurts it without a doubt. But Johnny Jusang from the Kentucky transfer, he'll help them. You know, he um, has- uh, another guy that's committed to a Pac-12 school, Evan Mobley. Yeah, Evan Mobley, that was another guy that, you know, I completely forgot about. Um, but the US, USC lost the kid that's, that's uh, played with Lonzo. Yeah, he – yeah, He, uh, he, he declared. Right he'll, be, he'll be like, what? what I think, think top five, top ten probably. He's awesome. Yeah, I completely forgot about him. But, yeah, like you said, Evan Mobley was – he, uh, you know, he's going to USC. And then, like I said, I brought up Zaire Williams and Josh yeah. – Zaire Williams, uh, Josh Christopher. Let's look at other kids going to Pac-12. Pac-12 is going to be really interesting. Yeah, there's there, there aren't two. Uh, Marcus Bagley, brother of uh, Marvin. But I really thought, you know, Pac-12 is infamously known for being, you know, a weak conference. You know, uh, Not according to, to Bill Walton, yeah, Conference Bill, of Champions. Yeah, obviously. But, you know, this year that kind of all changes, you know. I yeah. Mean, Obviously, uh, team team wise, I don't know how I don't know how well they'll fare in March, but th- there's got to be there's a lot of freshmen there that you know Pac-12 is going to be a lot of must. Yeah, it's just going to be exciting, exciting young basketball. Anyways, that's all the time we have for this week for uh, CBB three six five. As always, I'm Patrick Dallahan with my good friend and partner Adam Hipsky. Wishing you all a good week. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you next week.